Hi, I'm Susan Clark. And I'm Chris Marie Campbell. Welcome to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. Have you ever wanted to take some of what you've learned on the podcast to the next level? Well, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. To learn more, go to www.thriving.com forward slash team kit. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T. Welcome. Today we have a special guest. Jason Gaddis is an author, relationship expert, and coach who teaches people the one class they didn't get in school, how to do relationships. Jason leads one of the most in-depth and comprehensive relationship educational programs and trains relationship coaches all over the world. Jason has thousands of fans and followers across multiple channels and is the host of the Relationship School podcast, which we were a guest on, (laughs) with over 5 million downloads and over 330 episodes. He is the visionary behind the Relationship School and his first book, Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships, and it will be out in October 2021. Welcome, Jason. We're so excited to have you. We love it. Yeah, thank you. Both. Uh, it's great to see you both again. I'm grateful to be here. Yes. Yeah. Well, we know. We have a shared passion for conflict. <laughs> I know. Isn't that weird? Who says that? I know. <laughs> Who does? It's true. We're weird. Yes. <laughs> we are weird. We're very weird. People say, you say that in a cocktail party when you can have one and people walk away. <laughs> exactly. They're like, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so this yeah. is exciting, though, because you've been doing this for quite a long time. And now you're putting this book out into the world as well. Is that, you know, getting to zero? Tell us about the title, yeah. Jason, getting to zero, because that's pretty, you know, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm curious what it conjures up for people right, as they <laughs> listen to that. So zero in my world, I found myself saying that over and over when I would work with people, couples, individuals, groups around getting back to a good place. I kept saying, well, you, you know, we get to that place like zero, you know, just get to a zero, like which is baseline. We're, we're cool. We're connected again. And any number above zero is, you know, something that could be conflictual, whether it's silence or we're in a fight and an argument it could be mild. Maybe it's a three or a, a heated, you know, situation that's pretty almost traumatic, like a nine or a 10. And the book is really about how do we get anyone back to just a good place again, which is zero. Mm-hmm. I love that. I have to admit, when I, you know, when I first saw it, I was thinking of, you know, like getting to zero. I think it, I feel like that's like zero altitude versus, you know, up a mountain, which uh-huh. I could see the parallel there too. You know, sometimes when right. conflict comes around, you want to go running up a mountain as opposed <laughs> to deal with it. And, yeah. you know, as I think you kind of shared in some of your stories of the vast ways you avoided conflict for quite a while yeah. early yeah. on in your own relationships, which I thought I appreciated your self-evaluating vulnerability and how you uh-huh. shared in the book, how you got uh-huh. to why this was such a passion for you. So can um, you share that with our listeners a little bit, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. Just the, I guess the, I was a conflict avoider, you know, most of my life and still, and you all probably know this from teaching conflict stuff is that it's still not fun. It's not like I like conflict. <laughs> no, you know, we joked in the beginning there, yeah. but I'm like, look, I don't like fighting with my wife and I, I don't like feeling like kind of jacked up in my nervous system. It's not fun for me. And I really can appreciate and have deep respect for conflict as a vehicle for transformation and growth. And I didn't know that 
many years ago, I was that guy that was blaming every woman I dated and felt very defensive and guarded and just had a lot of relationship pain and failures and, you know, a lot of inner conflict. And I just was kind of lost and stuck and confused. And then enough of those failures stacked up for me to go, okay, I'm the problem here. I'm the one common denominator. So let me see if I can figure this out. And that's when I set to work to study myself and other people. Mm. Love it. And it seems like you also have, I love the plethora of ways you notice how people, we have our opt-out styles that we, you know, see how people opt out, but you had more versions. And why don't you talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So I talk about just the primary ways we feel threatened or like seek avoid. You're either too close to me or you're too far away. And then when we are scared animal, I call it in us, that's sensitive to this kind of stuff because we're social mammals. When that scared animal starts to get triggered in some way, minor or major, we disconnect. We disconnect from ourselves and each other. And I, I call them the four disconnectors. So it's kind of like the fight, flight, freeze. But my version is posture, collapse, seek, avoid. And people tend to relate to those. I'm more of a posture. I get kind of aggressive or I just shut down and get, you know, go into my shell. Mm-hmm. And then most of us do seek or avoid. We, we either just want to move away from the conflict or we want to like resolve it. Yeah, I was appreciating that when I read it because I realized, well, and I, it varies depending on the person. Like with Chris Marie, I probably would say I might be more of the collapser. Like I go, and mm. but in a lot of other relationships, I am definitely the more, posture. The posturer. Oh, you know? interesting. And yeah. So, yeah. you know, and even I think when we were on yours, we were talking about maybe very different at work for someone than it is at home. And yeah. in terms of even what they believe is necessary. Even though both of those relationships are high stakes, it's a different kind of premise, how you show up, what's expected of you at work versus what someone thinks is expected of you at home. That's so so true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys call them. Like, what does your version remind me of those? Yeah, we, when people hit that tension point where it's the tension inside me and between me and you is too much, we call them opt out. People want to diffuse the tension. And so the three styles that we talk about is the superstar. Like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it my way. You're going to thank me in the end and they go take action. (laughs) And they really value action results, you know, and and my way's really the right way. Yeah. And the other one is the accommodator. So this is, I was a conflict avoider, can still be a conflict avoider. Mm -hmm. And so rather than stand up for my opinion, I'll just put my opinion in the back and okay, we'll do it your way. Though also kind of having passed that can show up as passive aggressive because I don't really want to do it your way. I'm just trying to handle this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And resentment and apathy can come up in that type. Or the superstar, I mean, the separator, which is like, okay, they value clarity and calm. So they're just going to disengage. I'm just yep. going to check my email. I'm not going to say From the actual issue. Yeah. Where they may need to be talking. I think you covered totally. that in your, your tractors, the way people avoid get out of dealing with conflict. That yeah. Up a lot. Yeah. I call them the roadblocks. Yeah. All the yeah. ways in which we, we just kind of put a big roadblock into solving this whole problem between us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. For the three opt-outs, it's usually my opinion, I think I'm right, or I'll defer to your opinion, or I'm not going to even focus on the problem or you or me at all. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> I'm not even going to have an opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what, That's cool. I think you have a lot of the distractor pieces too. Can you share a little bit about those? Yeah. So I call them the roadblocks and oh, roadblock. you know, distraction being one of them that we, we just, you know, none of us like to feel pain, I don't think. <laughs> and, you know, when I'm in pain or I'm, I'm feeling depressed or anxious or 
upset about something, you know, I, I will turn toward my phone as a distraction more often than not, right? I'm mm-hmm. not like a Zen meditator where I just go sit with myself. I mean, that's my aspiration and that is my practice is to be with my experience. But sometimes I just I'm unconsciously reach for sugar, for example. I'm like, oh, where's the like honey and almond butter? <laughs> well, that's you know? really healthy. I mean, sometimes it's like dark chocolate. With oh, it. exactly. Anyway, and honestly, in college, it was, you know, alcohol and drugs for me. That's what I reached for when I was in pain. So I'm, I've definitely gotten healthier. <laughs> but one of the big ones is like, people do is time and hope and pray. It's just this sort of notion of, you know, like my parents' generation, it's like, no, you just kind of like go to sleep and forget about it. You don't complain or make an issue. You don't want to make it worse. So just don't talk about it. And I think for that generation, it, it kind of worked. And for all that we know now about the nervous system and our health and stuff, it's just not, that's not good for us. So I think people do use, and then they hope and pray. They're just like, I hope this changes. And they don't apply themselves to learn something. They don't listen to your podcast or my podcast. They're just like, <laughs> They're just like, uh, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm hoping this will change in a couple of days. And then, you know, it, their state changes kind of like the weather. And they're like, I think I'm a little better. And yeah, no, I won't bring it up anymore. I'm fine. Yeah. And it's like, guys, there's so, you're just missing opportunity after opportunity. So there's there are a couple. Of I was thinking ones. too, I would imagine like this last year and a half, two years with COVID and everything oh. going on has been such a different thing that even yeah. people who have had years of being able to do the hope and pray or avoid or not are suddenly in the same household. Sometimes can't get away from can't each get other. Away. Yeah. More, more than they normally are, right? Yeah. I would imagine you're seeing a lot more of these things come up because you can't keep it below the surface anymore. I mean, even yeah. a lot of couples, you know, I tend to exercise if I'm upset, but if I can't go out and do my exercise because I've been told I have to stay in the house or yep. we have to fight over the Peloton or the bike <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, it's all of a sudden a whole different, I can't yeah. You know, so I imagine yeah. you're seeing that in the, I assume you're online. So you've still been working with a lot of different couples over this past. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and mostly people in courses, I mostly am working with people in live courses and trainings. But still, I mean, just in, in our friend network and just hearing, you know, kids, schools and the parents. And I, I, it seems like, I don't know what you guys, what your observation is. It seems like people are pushed in two directions. We're either getting stronger with the added stress Right. Or this added stress is actually exposing our weaknesses and it's like kind of like crushing us. And it's like I know a lot of people getting a divorce right now, for example. Yeah. So I'm just curious what you guys have seen if that's. Well, we did have we did a podcast like RX for relationships during COVID because so much of like, how do you actually how do you get stronger by bringing these things up and talking about them? And I think towards the beginning, you know, China was ahead of us with COVID and they had when like after that first year, they had so many divorces. So we could see this is going to be coming down our pike. So it is happening that you have to, it's like anything. If you don't actually learn how to develop the muscle and deal with a conflict, it will break you because your, your coping mechanisms just are so stressed. Yeah. I mean, we, it's like, we have this, my wife and I were talking, it's like another we're all stressed already, right? That, that was enough. Like yeah. most of us have kind of a base level of stress going on. And then there's this like blanket, right? COVID on top of us. That's just another thing we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. lot. It is. Yes, it, it is. It is. You know, it is sort of interesting because in a lot of our work too, we do work more. We also work in a corporate setting, but corporate people are now online and they're having a huge, people aren't going back to work. And part of, you know, that even brings up 
are changing jobs or not wanting. They're realizing after a year of sort of scrambling to stay sane, it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to go back to this. And so a whole lot of things are bubbling to the surface, be it, you know, divorces or questions. Like, I think I liked your point. For some people, it's built a strength. They've gotten, it's strengthened a relationship or brought somebody into awareness of, hey, I don't want this stress. I got to prioritize difference and yeah, differently. Yeah. And other people, I think it has crushed and divided mm-hmm. their capacity. And yeah, it's, and mm-hmm. it is this invisible blanket. You know, it's this invisible force that we don't have any control. And we hate not having control. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as human beings, I know. We, are, we don't you love know. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, not, not good for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even scared animals do better than we do. I, I mean, I have to say. I know. At least they don't like know COVID's going on, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're just doing their thing. They get stressed. They just shake it off. Uh, yeah. We kind of store it in our nervous system. Yeah, and right. that, you know, builds up a lot of, can go into exactly. illness and all sorts of different things. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So we were talking because there's so, there are so many things in your book that I thought I, I really appreciated some of the clarity of them and then how they fit into things like the nest idea. The whole idea of, you know, yeah. kind of, we were talking about that giving something a number is I like it because well, it's frame, fairly... Well, frame the whole concept okay. of this. You go ahead. Jason, why did you do yeah, that? Yeah. And then we'll talk cool. about specifics. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's it's just a... I was a Buddhist meditator for many years, and I it was honestly the thing that helped me be with my experience. Because I before meditation, I, I just didn't know how to be with my experience, which is like my feelings and sensations and emotions. I didn't know how. And so meditation taught me, no, you can actually sit still and not need to do anything, and you can ride the waves of your felt experience and it's not going to and find out like is it going to kill you and so anyway i created a more much more simple version that's accessible to anyone where you don't need to be a meditator to just when you get triggered or when you're upset by something you can actually just sit down for a couple of minutes and go through this acronym n-e-s-t-r and it's just guides you to look internally and see what's happening in there and then what's cool about it is then you if you're able to track what's going on, you can share that with your partner or a friend and let them know what's going on inside. Because a lot of us misread other people when they're stressed. And so to have a semi-accurate portrayal of what's going on in the other person can be disarming. It can actually help the person. Mm-hmm. Well, you're yeah. talking too. I know this comes up with Susan and I. Because when when I'm at, you're just, you're the problem. You're too angry. It's all about her. And she's like, it would really help me if you talked about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so basic, right? But we forget in those moments. It's so true. And I agree that I know for myself, I've had to develop through meditation, breath work, all sorts of work that we do, the capacity to stay here. My my hands on my chest, listeners, like what (laughs) is happening inside? Because so often my actions are to avoid what's happening here. Let me get away from this. I can control you or blame you. Then I won't have to feel this. Exactly. The lie. I really have to feel it anyway. (laughs) And so (laughs) building the capacity to be with my sensations and not try to get away. But I think a lot of dysfunctional behavior is me or anyone trying to get away from how they feel. I'm so with you. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. And the irony is, you know, sometimes with us, you know, you are very observant. You are know, you talking about but me? Chris Marie is someone, she, you know, she will notice things like, Your you nostrils know, are flaring. Oh, my nostrils are flaring. Yeah. And, You're a tracker like me. And then once she, but as soon as that's what comes out of her mouth, I'm just like, why the hell are you paying attention to my nostrils? Like, you know, yeah. what is going on? You know, like, it's just. Yeah. 
way. And I think you talked about that even the, you were talking about before, the seeking, you know, versus the too much, too close. Yep. And wanting, we kind of look at it more like that. Like somebody wants to be too close and the other person's like, hey, wait a minute, I feel inundated. And totally. so, you know, yep. that inundation versus abandonment. abandonment. And, you know, her overly observant side for me is like a whole trigger of way too, you know. You're in my space. You're in my yeah. space. Like, you know, so what? Yeah, and it's, so it's like this dance you guys have had to learn over and over, like, how do we, I'm scared, I'm a little threatened here, and I'm noticing your face and your facial expression, and I'm reading and misreading your, what's going on over there? So I'm checking it out, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. But that that even doesn't feel good sometimes. Even ask about the other person's tone of voice or their face can feel also threatening. So we have to really know the other person and get to know, like, what is it that I can say that I still, I don't have to abandon myself, but I can still advocate for what I want here, which is to reconnect, let's say, without upsetting you more. Mm-hmm. and having you go away further, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a dance, man. I mean, you guys know it's like a journey. It is. And it I is. think, you know, the biggest thing that has helped, well, one, I had no capacity to be, I was a conflict avoider, no capacity to be within me, and we start our relationship. And she would get upset because she's more of a fiery person. And I'd be like, oh, my God, we're ruined. And, you know, she's abandoning me. All uh-huh. Very dramatic. And yeah. really being able to check out my story, what is happening over there, was the yep. first piece. But my capacity to self-soothe in you working with my own nervous system and recognizing it game changer for me to have more capacity even if she's she's going you know my hands going up and down if she's freaking out the more i can actually soothe me rather than get on the ping pong ball where she's upset i get upset we just escalates up (laughs) up the chain totally you know Mm -hmm. can happen yeah yeah and we we do that right we look outside of ourselves to calm down to feel differently to have a state change and it's it's one way i mean My wife and I try to do both where it's important for me to do self-regulation, like calm myself down, be with my own pain, upset, et cetera. And we've also found it's pretty cool if if there's a way that she can do some things like put her hand on my shoulder, move just a a little bit closer in a non-threatening way, that actually settles my nervous system. Now, if I do that with her, it's, it's a little different. Uh-huh. But there's things we can do to more immediately settle the nervous system in the other person. So that, that's all just for the listeners. It, it can be kind of a fun, curious, not really game, but like practice, I guess, to, to find out what actually is it that I can do with my body over here that would help settle that person over there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we talk about that sometimes even like there is. I love that using the body, you know, whether it's a hand or what would work, what does, you know, whether for me, it's like, if she, you know, I, if she leans against my back, like I may Mm -hmm. not be able to look at her when I'm upset, but if she's sitting there giving me a back support, you know, that's a big deal for me. You have my back even, you know, that's sweet. Yeah. That's great. uh, Look at each other at that point. That just helps kind of ground. And we've also imagined where to get resource from. So sometimes I might say to her, we've talked about it when we weren't triggered, you know, like what's something that I can say that she would help her know I'm still here. I'm not going, you know, I see you, I hear you. Yeah. Mine is, I see you, I hear you, you matter. And Mm -hmm. nice. I love that. that. Really helps me go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's yeah. And you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to my little younger self that never felt that way. (laughs) That never got that message, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point just to remind the listeners of is, yeah, what what are the reassurance 
reassuring statements we can offer, right? Yeah. And yeah. gestures to the other person, especially to their little kid inside that's hurting, right? Yeah. What, what yeah. can we do? And and there that goes a long way also. Like one of my favorites is is similar. It's like if I just hear you're not wrong and I'm not going anywhere, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I can and, I can right? settle. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because I think those things are just wired in before we even have words, you know, as yeah. we're up. And so yeah. it's providing that physical embodiment piece and also a reassuring statement. So, and a lot of times the person doesn't have the capacity because they're in their own reaction, but when they do, it's yeah. so nice. And working that out before when you're not in the midst of yeah. the big thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's good. We, I call it like top down, bottom up. So bottom up would be like the body to body without words and top down would be like words. Yeah. And I think it's good to have both in partnerships because that way you, the words aren't always going to work. And like you said, like the back to back thing. Oh my God, that sounds so amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to see if my Try that. Can do that one. <laughs> I have what we do, or at least, at least it works for me. Maybe it doesn't work for her as much is I'm just like, just lay on me. Mm-hmm. You know, close on, close off. doesn't matter. Like just lay on me and it's an immediate nervous system, like reset. It's just like mm-hmm. poof, my whole body just is like, okay, I'm cool. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like the weighted blanket concept, but a human version. Yeah. And it is that yeah. kind of compression that like almost like a swaddle in the nervous system, I would imagine, or the and yeah. that deep connection. Well, yeah. I think about totally. it. I mean, I do Equus work, work with horses. And part mm-hmm. of that, what's so powerful in that work is horses are like that big blanket moving around in some respect. Their capacity right. like- Oh, and they're so it, sensitive. It, it, yeah. And they, you know, standing in that field is really quite powerful. So, you mm-hmm. know, we've worked with, this has been really powerful, even with our corporate teams, you know, somebody, they're at odds with each other. But if they just walk with a horse on either side, they can have a conversation they never had before. And we've seen this over wow. and they're like, how come could we have that conversation? And That's it's so like, cool. You're- it, it literally helps yeah. your your <laughs> yeah. nervous system because they have such a big torsion field of their own nervous system mm-hmm. that it really yeah. is a field that you enter that helps people settle mm-hmm. in ground and have yeah. those conversations. Yeah, we do it cool. with I couples mean, and teams. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat. Oh, nice. I mean, yes. I know equine therapy in general can be really good for trauma too and just people just regu- helping regulate their own nervous systems, right? Exactly. Well, you, you know, the thing about horses is they are the fastest species to come back from a to a feral state from trauma. So mm. they've learned really well how to adjust their nervous system. And mm. we could learn so much, and they're herd animals. So they we they're could learn social. so much from <laughs> yep. them. You know, yeah, that's yeah. I think a big part of what's so powerful in the connection. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of times people think that means riding them and all this sort of, but it's like, no, no, just animal to animal, mammal to mammal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. you know? I mean, my, my daughter's quite sensitive and She's 10 and she does this natural horsemanship every Friday hmm. with this amazing woman. And it's it's very kind of therapeutic without really calling it that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's sometimes just walking the horse and yeah. being with the horses and just walking around them and kind of like getting to know them. And it's cool to watch from a distance, like what is going on over there? Yeah. But I know it's so good for her just to like be with these huge animals and there's something about it, what it does to her body. And just, mm-hmm. and she comes out with this massive grin on her face and she's so psyched. I yes, love that she's doing is. that at such a young age. And it is, yeah, a, it, cool. she's building resource inside yeah. her mm-hmm. nervous system in relationship to the horse, just being around. I think around so, yeah. Yeah. 
That's my hunch. Yeah, we, yeah I think we you're had, right. <laughs> we had one couple that worked with us, and the, the guy was so funny because I don't think he had ever really relaxed much. He was a high corporate kind of yeah. guy, and, and he, he jokes. He said, I still need to bring the horse back to our house. When are we going to be able to do that? <laughs> it's like, okay, yes, you, you were feeding off of that nervous system, but it's in yours now. Trust that. But he's like, no, I still need the horse. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he needs to get one for his back. <laughs> there you go, you know? <laughs> hey, you use this term fracking in your book. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because I just thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so we're not obviously talking about drilling for oil here. Yeah, or exactly. gas, But it's a playoff that a little bit where we say no fracking is one of the things I teach our students here at the school. And fracking is another acronym. I just love acronyms. Um, and the <laughs> cool. F is, it's basically no fixing, rescuing, advice giving, complaining, or killing someone's experience. And killing someone's experience, killing is a strong word, but that's how it feels sometimes when I say, hey, I'm really feeling sad like yesterday when you left and the other person says, that didn't happen. Yeah. Or you're not sad. What's your problem or something? It's just like squashes rather than validates. It squashes my experience. So mm-hmm. anyway, I like to tell people don't frack on other people during or after conflict because it's just not going to go well. And there are some of us, and I'm one of them, that likes to try to fix and problem solve and give advice, you know, during or after conflict. And it, every single time, like 100% of the time, that's my track record, backfires. <laughs> yeah. 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 Doesn't work. It's it's so funny. I'm a part of Adult Children of Alcoholics, ACA. And one of uh-huh. the things is, you know, no crosstalk. So people are sharing their experience and it's so habitual, like, well, I have an idea, but, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you, and it's that pulling back. And even we read something in the beginning about don't touch or hug somebody. This is when we were meeting in person. Because as little kids, we would touch or hug to try to fix our parent, calm mm-hmm. them down so they could be available for us. So it's really good kind of detaching and let, yeah. letting you have your experience and me not feeling responsible for trying to fix you. Nice. Or, yep. you know, mm-hmm. I love that. When I when I worked with adolescent teens kind of in the treatment center, it was we had a similar rule. It was like no cross-talking. Because yeah. it is so tempting just to like give advice or here's what you should do or here's what I did when I had that same problem, you know. No. Yeah. But, and it, it gives that person dignity and space to have, like you're saying, not killing their experience. As soon as you try to fix or rescue or advise, you know, that is kind of negating, hey, I'm just, I'm just here sharing me. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see this on teams all the time, right? There's some manager that's always trying to fix it or give advice. And it's like, yes. that's not what this person needs. No. Just close the lips. <laughs> yeah. My, someone on our team just did that. And I, I just watched the whole thing go down. And we were on a call and this woman was in tears and she was just having a really hard time. And the, the other kind of manager came in and was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, there's, here's what we need to do. This is going to be fine. And I was just like, er, hold on a second. <laughs> Just give her a second to have her feelings, like time out. Right. Well, I think, you know, just like we're so uncomfortable trying to get away from our own feelings, if we're in that posture or that relationship to our own feelings, to see somebody else be in their, oh, I got to fix that, you know, I got to make that go away. Yeah. You know, it's such a habit. Yeah, it's a habit. And if we're helpers or we're service oriented in some way, it worked maybe when we were children, right? To like Mm -hmm. help mom and dad or the sixth sibling or something, but it's not, it's not that effective when it comes to powerful relationships as adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I can't quite remember this. So the other reason why the fracking was important is I only get the first three. So those must be the ones I get stuck on complaining and not killing the other person's experience. I keep losing. So it was good to review it again. (laughs) Um, you know, but the other one you talked about apologizing, I think it was pacing and 
kind of the rushed apology and the paced yeah. apology. Rushed. That's yeah. what it was. The rushed and I I totally I mean that made complete sense to me because I've always thought people say I'm sorry way too fast. Yeah. And what really it is a strong avoidance of actually dealing with what's going on. But the pacing was a different take on it. So can you talk yeah. more about that, Jason? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I used to be kind of anti-apology because it, it really never worked for me. Mm-hmm. But then I started, the more I started kind of working with people and teaching this stuff, I, I started realizing, you know what, there's some nervous systems that genuinely let down with a, with a really strong apology. That's mm-hmm. the thing they're actually looking for. For whatever reason. And I, I can't judge that. It's like, okay, it works for you. Mm-hmm. But usually the paced apology is like, you first, you take responsibility for what you did. You empathize with them. You validate their experience. And then if you want to add, you know, icing on the cake there, only because it works for them, then you can say, and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. So it's like, to model it, it's like, hey, I know I was a jerk yesterday and I raised my voice and I was kind of intense with you and I can see that that hurt your feelings and I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's way more powerful than, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I said I was sorry. Because I think that's almost when somebody does that, I'm sorry. It's almost a dismissal of, well, wait a minute. I'm over here and I still don't feel like you really got me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and they also didn't take ownership. It's like, no, no, for me, the key is like the the key for me to relax is if I hear ownership, I'm just like, yeah, I just start to relax. It's super nice for me. Yeah, I am with you there. I like that. We uh, talk about acknowledge, not apologize. Like I, yeah. I am the person that did that. I was yep. rude or jealous yeah. or whatever. I love that. I was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's helpful because I think you know saying it, and I I've seen couples where the pattern is the sorry gives some felt sense of a relaxation, but it really never gets talked about, and then that creates another whole yep. spin. That I think you described a couple in the book that was like that, where it's like yeah, the, the man was like yeah. apologizing like apologizing like 15 times and he wasn't even aware of it and it wasn't working and he kept using it. I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude not, not a good not, strategy. You know, it's not going like, to, no. no. But his partner, ironically, his partner wasn't saying, hey, this doesn't work for me because she didn't really know herself and she didn't know what worked for her. They hadn't yeah. figured that out. Yeah. And, and sometimes it can feel like it works for a moment, but you don't right. realize the cycle hasn't changed. You haven't yeah. actually done anything to interrupt that, the cycle of the, the conflict that arises. You haven't actually yeah. resolved the the conflict. So totally. And people use it as ammunition later. Well, I said, I was sorry. Why are you still upset? And it's like, dead end. Dead end. Don't go down that road. Checking the box does not work on interpersonal dynamics. (laughs) You guys know that. Exactly. Yes. Jason, your book is chock full of great information. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners how they can find it, when it's going to be released, how they can find you. Yeah, cool. Thanks. October 5th, it comes out. It's going to be available everywhere. Right now, you can pre-order it if you go to gettingtozerobook.com. You get some goodies with that, like some videos and chapter one for free, et cetera. So depending on when this comes out. And then the rest of our world is at the relationship, just relationshipschool.com. That's where the podcast you two have been on before. You can come here, Chris, Marie, and Susan on that podcast. We did an awesome podcast on conflict, especially in teams and in business. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. And then I'm on Instagram and all that stuff. But you can, but you can find that all in relationshipschool.com. Excellent. Relationshipschool.com. Any last tidbits you want to give our listeners? In their- no, I just want to say thanks. It's so good to see you too. And I'm just grateful that there's people like you in the world that's like, you know, we're like family. We're out there trying to help people with this complicated subject. And I just really respect and appreciate you both. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We could talk for hours. I, I know. know. Yes. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, So Jake. maybe we need to go hang out and actually do that someday. That would be great. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. We know you're busy and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E.